we'll have um, news at the bottom of the hour and talk about the letter that Trump released yesterday that he sent to the president of Turkey Mm. and how that whole thing went down. Jack, I don't mean to be harsh, but uh, history will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen this hour of the Armstrong and Getty show. That's part of the letter that Trump wrote. Here's, here's Here's your phrase to throw around the office today, though. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I will call you later. <laughs> I will call you later is the, obviously the best part. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. Okay, that's an interesting way to go about it. But then, yeah, then diplomatically speaking, yeah. But then the call me later. <laughs> I will call you later. Fantastic. Um, we're getting a number of texts about. Uh, we were just talking about the skyrocketing suicide rate among young people, which is just. And it, it starts at 2007, right when the iPhone hit, and everybody was carrying around social media in their hand. That, that's got to be a huge part of it. Yeah, I, I believe so. It also coincides with a number of trends I witnessed as a parent. Um, as f- f- And, you know, this is one of my causes, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. As childhood became less and less about free play, and more and more about organized activities and uniformed activities. And, you know, I was reading an article uh, just yesterday about how if a kid wants to be good at a sport or be taken seriously and achieve in a sport, they've got to play one sport. they got to push aside everything. Which is why now you're having so many repetitive motion injuries among teenagers. Orthopedic surgeons are seeing problems they saw in 33-year-olds in 16-year-olds now. Really? There are high school kids getting Tommy John surgery, reconstructing the tendons in their elbows, pitchers, baseball pitchers. Um, it, it was unknown outside of veteran major league pitchers, and now it's high school boys. And um, it, I, I, I don't know. I think it all is of a piece. I think... I don't just the the rapid change in the way people live and children are raised and the way they become them. It's changed so much in such a short time. And I think a lot of the changes are, are terrible. One of the most profound and simple things I ever heard in my life is not all change is progress. I don't want to sound like an old guy saying kids today. I really don't because it's so easy to come off that way. Although I, my God, I'm my heart bleeds for the kids. I'm not yelling at them like some bitter old man. I'm I'm saying, what have we done? But when you watch a group of young people or older people, we all do this um, of all ages. But as Joe said earlier, at least if you're the older crowd, you had decades of of, of a, <laughs> a certain lifestyle and your brain reacting a certain way. But anyway, you see groups of people walking down the sidewalk at lunch, whatever. And they're not, and they if they got their phones in their hands, they're all individually looking at their phone. I do this too, but it's just that is a major change in the structure of society. I think it might be one of the biggest changes in in world history, in human history. Sure, I have such warm memories. It gives me joy thinking about walking down the street with my friends, uh, be it a bunch of guys or guys and gals together, jawing at each other. How great that was. Or somebody saying, hey, look at that, or whatever, or maybe you're quiet for a while till somebody thinks of something to say, but right. that's dead, I think, because everybody, at least one, if not everybody's, looking at their phone. Yeah. Yeah. And I've told this story several times, because it just happened while I was on vacation with Sam. We stopped at a fast food joint, and I saw a couple of guys come in 
with a big truck with racks on it and ladders, and they were enclosed with paint on them. They were obviously painters, and they were taking a lunch break at the, the Arby's where we were. And they came in, and they sat down at the table, and they all looked at their phones. And guaranteed, prior to 2007, they would have been talking to each other. Right. That's a different job, lifestyle, brain activity. That's just a completely different relationship. When you're all sitting there for your lunch hour talking to each other as opposed to staring at your phone. And my brother has said, because he, he works that kind of lunch bucket job where they got a lunchroom, and he said, everybody, lunchroom is quiet. Everybody just sits and stares at their phones. Hmm. Completely different when I used to work those kind of jobs. The feedlot or whatever, lunchroom, everybody's talking to everybody else about all kinds of different things. Did you see the ball game last night? Hey, I saw you're dating a new girl. She's hot. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now everybody just sits silently and stares at their phones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it might be actually the biggest change in human interaction since we developed. Your girlfriend's cute. Maybe we ought to get into a thruple. And then when make we make sure nobody gets angry and jumps on each other like spider monkeys. She jumped on her like a spider monkey. Right. And then when we start killing each uh, killing ourselves at extraordinarily high rates as young people, shouldn't we stop and take a look at this? Like really stop and really take a look at it. This this is a news story on the th- second or third tier today. The report from the um, Centers for Disease Control. Um, is out, and uh, in case you're just tuning in, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, the suicide rate for young people was flat, remarkably flat, from 2000 through 2007. And since 2007 or so, it has been increasing, and the rate at which it's been increasing has been increasing. The growth in... Uh, let's see. Oh, among uh, 15 to 19 year olds. And again, I ask you, could there be a more significant measure of the health of a society? The suicide rate for persons aged 15 to 19 has grown 76% in 10 years. Somebody texted, and I haven't verified this or not, so it's just a text, that it's even higher in Canada. I don't know that. Their increase. Um, and somebody just texted from Aust- who's been in Australia recently and said in Australia they've got a real problem with youth suicide, and their 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 government is addressing it with, uh, this person says, I was highly impressed with the national attention and programs implemented there. I'm, I'm not big on uh, taking my taxpayer money and trying to convince people not to smoke or uh, watch out for trains or all this different sort of crap, <laughs> but, I mean, if we're going to spend money on that st- sort of stuff, I'd rather hear more PSAs of, Hey, how about the next time you and your friend are walking down the street, you both keep your phones in your pockets and you talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, hey, parents, the next time you're hanging out with your kids, how about you put the phone in a drawer and spend the whole time um, never looking at your phone? I'd, I'd rather hear pay us PSAs for that than watch out for trains because uh, I think it's a much bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's some serious stuff, man. Yeah, it's interesting, though. It is. Oh. Is there a corrective mechanism? That's the, That's what my hope is that, okay, this is the first crowd of people we're all worth the leading edge of brand new technology. Do we adjust to it some way, in a way that's healthy, the way beasts tend to do? Or is there just no coming back from this? I, yeah, I don't Human, know. I humankind could, changes forever. I could talk forever. about this all day. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, every, every beast, every ecosystem, if it gets to a certain level of success, um, starts to 
repair itself back. It's like, you know, if all natural predators are gone and deer uh, get the population gets too thick, they start to get disease and die off. Um, or there's no food and they starve. And uh, I just I've got this weird, uh, dark feeling that humankind has uh, invented its own doom. If not doom. Well, how can you not call it doom? If young people are killing themselves at skyrocketing rates? Anyway, I don't, I don't know. So we're taking a look back on the 30-year anniversary of the big earthquake that oh, happened I'm during sorry, the World I Series. Had one more point. One okay. more point I want to make. This is like the uh, hive collapse disorder in bees. And people involved with bees would talk about nothing else because it was such a disaster. Humans are barely going to pay attention to this. That's my prediction. It'll come and go. We'll be on the, back to impeachment before you know it, which is odd. Yeah. So it was 30 years ago. Uh, you know, if you were watching the World Series or you were in the Bay Area, you know the earthquake hit. Um, the Loma Prieta earthquake. And we got a little uh, montage of some stuff from that that's uh, pretty interesting looking back. Marshall and his news is going to get into Trump's letter to Turkey, as we mentioned, which was part of the blow up yesterday between Trump and Pelosi in which one of them lost their cool and stormed out. I don't know which one lost their cool. We'll never know. Or they're there. just bitching at each other and one had enough. And they, or <laughs> they and they both got what they wanted, perhaps. And the guy who lived there stayed, you know? Uh, among other things, on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 99 Air 2. Yeah, go ahead. I'll do it slowly and I'll do it once. East Bay, Cypress section, double-decker of the Nimitz has collapsed. Upper deck onto the lower deck. East Bay, Cypress section of the Nimitz has collapsed. Upper deck onto the lower deck. San Francisco Bay Bridge, one section of the cantilever. One section of the cantilever has fallen to the lower deck. Upper deck has fallen to the lower deck. One section of the cantilever. Over. That's former traffic reporter Stan Burford uh, on the, the when the earthquake happened 30 years ago today. Um, quite the deal. And, of course, another one could happen any moment. They predicted then that about 30 years from now we'll have another major one, which would be today. Mm, boy. From here on out. But yeah. they're obviously earthquakes are impossible to predict. Yeah, yeah, spectacular damage, loss of life, just unthinkable. But uh, well, it's well unthinkable. But you got to think about it. Mm. Um, uh, the fire is just astounding, and just property damage. Santa Cruz, just you know, the damage there was awful. Um, you know, it's led to a lot better earthquake uh, construction techniques and preparedness and that sort of thing. You know, we'll see um, when the next big one hits. Because there's no being completely prepared when the earth moves. Stuff gets broke. And the A's swept the Giants then, right? Is that right? I think so. The Bash Brothers, yeah. Um, steroids. Yeah, no kidding. Like the Giants probably weren't on them. Well, but, it was the steroid era. Yeah, but nothing, nothing was like McGuire and Conseco no. at that point. I mean, that was just two behemoths. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So Ronan Farrow, do you know who he is? He's a journalist. He's now a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist for a lot of the reporting that he's done about 
the well, he kicked off the Me Too movement with unearthing Harvey Weinstein's monstrous behavior. A story he had for NBC News where he worked, but they wouldn't allow it on the air. Yep. They spiked it because they were afraid of Harvey Weinstein and more specifically afraid that Harvey or others would call them on their own rapey culture. He had to go somewhere else to get that story on the air. But anyway, he's got a book yeah, two out. Two weeks later, he's got a Pulitzer in his pocket for the story. NBC, no, 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 that story's not ready for air. Ronan, why don't you table that and go report on something nice? Well, since you just mentioned that, let's start with Ronan Farrow talking about uh, how NBC claimed the story wasn't ready for air. We had a story that journalists looked at and said, this should get on air immediately. We had a recorded admission of guilt from Harvey Weinstein uh, secured during a police sting operation. We had multiple named women in every draft of this story. There have been mischaracterizations and downplayings of what we had. But that's actually not the point. The point is what you hit on. This was a case where a news organization didn't behave journalistically. They ordered us to stop, to not take so much as a call and to cancel interviews, in some cases, with alleged rape victims. This book explains why. And Ronan Farrow, in the book, says that it was because Weinstein had the dirt on Matt Lauer and got that word somehow to the NBC execs, and that's why they didn't want the story out. That's just as weak as... And none of those people should have their jobs, and they all still do. And then you got crazy Brian Williams making stuff up and... I mean, what an organization. Yikes. So on the pre-show meeting today that you guys were talking, I couldn't quite hear it. Something about uh, Ann, what's her name, and what and, and, and Matt Lauer. How does that whole oh, thing get? Oh. Uh, Ann Curry, if she says what she knows, that's that's the Pandora's box that I, I guess NBC would like to keep closed is the sense that I got. Is that according to her, or who's saying that? I, I, I got the sense it was a third party saying about her. If she spills the beans, okay, it's doomsday for NBC. There, there was a story yesterday that um, Matt Lauer had had a long affair with a prominent female personality who was bound to a non-disclosure agreement because she got a payout on the way out the door or something like that. And now there are people saying, well, if Ann Curry spills the beans, he's he's doomed. So she might be it. Or um, So Ann Curry and Matt Lauer were the co-hosts of the Today Show, which uh, in its heyday was the number one show by far in morning TV and makes a lot of money. But yeah. Ann Curry knew he was a... Did she just know well, he was having affairs and kept her mouth shut? Or? Uh, well, no, the quote was... from the article is that a lot of people confided in her years ago and still do to this day. She knows more than most about the man Matt really is. And when she finally sp- speaks out, it will destroy him. Why didn't she say something at the time? I don't know. I'd, li- I'd like to see a... Keep the uh, money train rolling. Yeah, I'd like to see how many segments you did on the Today Show that were some sort of up with woman, standing up for womankind, women's rights segment. While you're keeping it a secret that your co-host is the kind of guy that he, he yeah. apparently is. That's something. Uh, we got another Ronan Farrow as he's doing interviews about his book on Hillary Clinton's role in this whole thing. Did you feel pressure from Hillary Clinton on this? You know, like everything else in the book, Brett, this is handled in a very measured way. The book is meticulously fact-checked. We had long conversations with everyone discussed in it, including Hillary Clinton's people. And it is extremely fair to her now it's rendered. I can't speak to her state of mind. What I can say is that she attempted to withdraw from an interview that she had committed to for a foreign policy book that I was working on for which I had interviewed every other living Secretary of State uh, and before doing so her staff raised concerns about the fact that I was working on this story about oh. one of her most significant donors, a big yeah. bundler of Hollywood money. That is incredible. So he interviews every living Secretary of State, goes to interview Hillary 
her people say, yeah, what's this whole deal with your Weinstein uh, story? Yeah. Yeah, Hillary's not available. Wow. Nice job, Hillary. Well, and attempted to withdraw from an already standing appointment. So it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not talking to you. But, you know, uh, politics is despicable. God, I'd say. It's an ugly, dirty business. It's necessary, but it's dirty. That is incredible. Yeah, how about that? Hillary can't run because of Ronan Farrow. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons she shouldn't run, but she can't run because of Ronan Farrow, because he... He he really gets into the details on this. And no way. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. God, that's so weak. <sighs> so one for money and the other one for uh, you know, staying uh, powerful politically. Well, also for money because and he money. was the he was the bundler of the Hollywood money that yeah. was being and funneled money. into her. Yeah. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah, which keeps you in power, but yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, the beauty of our thing is we're precisely what we appear to be. Semi-functional dopes. Barely, barely <laughs> successful radio performers. O- occasionally verbally <laughs> abusive. Uh, just, yeah, guilty. Occasionally guilty right, occasionally wrong. There's no headline that could come out about me that would surprise anyone. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Marshall's News next. Armstrong and Getty. This is kind of funny because other people's uh, failures and embarrassments make me feel better somehow, which is, you know, a flaw, really, in my personality. Clearly. Um, Mark Sanford, I don't know if you know his name. He, uh, former South Carolina congressman and governor, he's the guy who oh, disappeared. Appalachian Trail guy. He disappeared for a week and turned out he, he was meeting his girlfriend in Argentina. But anyway, he's one of the guys that has announced, I'm challenging Trump. I'm going to primary Trump and I'm going to win and I'm running for president. Yes. He had his big kickoff yesterday, and nobody showed up. Oh, no. Uh, not quite. A single reporter. One reporter was there. One to, reporter. One reporter was there to document the fact that nobody showed up. Scroll up to show the picture for Joe, if you can there, Anson. There he is. He's uh, he's on a lawn somewhere. He brought a giant novelty check for $1 trillion. Oh, he appears to be in front of uh, Liberty Hall there, right? Constitution Hall in Philly. Huh? Is that right? Or? Faneuil Hall? Is that what that is? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Boston? Independence right. Hall. Independence but Hall, right. Anywho, he's, he's got a giant uh, novelty check for $1 trillion, and he's trying to call attention to how much money the Republicans have spent. That, that's an issue I can get behind. Sure. If I had been wandering past <laughs> that park when he announced he was running for president, I might have walked over and said, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I want a stick of gum or something like that. But there was one reporter, and there was Where's, a... How do you get the Freedom Hall from here? It's right there. There was, oh, a, th- there was a family nearby, but the reporter nailed down that the family just happened to be nearby. They weren't there <laughs> for that. Oof. <laughs> good reporting. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. I'm quite certain if one of us announced, we could get half a dozen people to show up just out of curiosity. Wow. Wow, that's sad. So who was the Did first person? Did his Argentine person? girlfriend have something going on that day? You'd think she'd be there. The first person that challenged Trump, Joe... Uh, Bill Walsh. Weld? Bill, was Bill Weld the first one? Bill Weld, then Joe Walsh. And Why then did Joe Walsh get so much attention then? Because Joe Walsh got on all the Sunday talk shows and got a huge platform when he challenged. He's glib. Bill Weld got nothing. This guy, He's boring. Sanford, nobody shows up. Not only are you not on Meet the Press, there's not a single human being around. Wow. God, wouldn't you tell your wife and kids and friends to... Let's pad the audience a little bit. Yeah. Does he have any people? Apparently not. Anyway, that's kind of funny. (laughs) 
Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, we got Vice President Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in Ankara, Turkey today, looking for a meeting with the Turkish President Erdogan in the hopes of negotiating a settlement to end Turkey's military offensive in northeast Syria. Meanwhile, a letter was disclosed that President Trump had sent to Erdogan last week. That letter reads, quote, Let's work out a good deal. You don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people, and I don't want to be responsible for destroying the Turkish economy, and I will. I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. I've worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Mazalong is willing to negotiate with you. He is willing to make concessions that have never been made or that they would never have made in the past. I'm confidentially enclosing a letter, a copy of his letter to me, just received. History will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I will call you later. Signed, Donald Trump. That is the letter. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I will call you later. So Trump hand that letter out. He had uh, Kevin McCarthy handed out at the big meeting yesterday that they had with Nancy Pelosi where she stood up and got confused and stormed out. Did he take away his speaking duties? Here, pass out the papers. We can't have you talking. Uh, Kevin, stop talking. But so Trump obviously thought that letter uh, was a good look for him. So because he he put that out, he right. made copies. And right. Well, apparently the uh, letter that Trump sent to Erdogan infuriated the Turkish president. His staff told the BBC that he threw the letter into the trash bin and then launched the Syrian operation the same day. And that could be proof they're saying there was no Trumpian green light. Mm. Well, there wasn't. I yeah. think there absolutely well, was Well, that what they're saying is, you know, for those who are saying it, yeah, this right. letter indicates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Lindsey Graham was making the decent point yesterday, or day before, I guess. He said, let's, let's, let's be mad at Erdogan for what he is doing. Let's keep in mind what's going on here. That's what happens with all stories now. Everything is, does this make Trump look good or bad? It's all through the Trump filter, right. everything. Right. And, we, and we lose, and Trump plays into this because he thinks it's to his benefit to make this story about him. But we lose the focus that Russia's the bad guy for messing with our elections. Let's keep that in mind. They're they're a foe of ours. China's the bad guy for the trade tariffs. It's not just about Trump and politics and the farmers. China's a bad guy. We need to deal with that. Turkey is a bad country with a bad guy running it. They're bad people. Everything isn't about Trump and how it makes him look. Right. It's impossible to get there, though. Right. Meanwhile, according to a number of reports out of Capitol Hill, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has told his GOP colleagues that an impeachment trial is likely and it may happen by Thanksgiving. That is what McConnell is reportedly saying. And Maryland Congressman Elijah Cummings has died. Cummings, who chaired the very powerful House Oversight Committee, died early this morning at a hospital in Baltimore following longstanding health issues. He was 68. He was a fixture on Capitol Hill for decades and best known most recently for his investigations into President Trump. Rudy wasn't anywhere near the hospital room, was he? Oh, jeez. Huh? What? President Trump did leave his differences uh, with Cummins aside, though, in a brief tweet responding to the Democrats' death, saying, My warmest condolences to the family and many friends of the congressman. I got to see firsthand the strength, passion, and wisdom of this highly respected political leader. His work and voice on so many fronts will be very hard, if not impossible, to replace.
And what, Who ends up the chair of that committee? That's a big deal yeah. with impeachment going on. Yep. Meanwhile, the days of USA Today's print edition may be numbered. Oh, really? With Pointer reporting that shutting down print and going all digital is, quote, part of the calculations in the soon-to-close acquisition of USA Today by New Media Investment Group. Well, then you're just another website. Yep. USA Today de- debuted in 1982. At one time, it had the highest circulation of any newspaper in the nation. Highest circulation of any paper in the nation. Boy, is there anybody still subscribing to the paper edition of USA Today? Hotels? Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I mean, we get it here and I look yeah. at it. When it just becomes a website, I I won't look at it as much. I guess because I'm old and I like looking at newspapers, but... Yeah, and it's in front of you. So, website that's always open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I like getting the USA Today at the the, the, the hotel. Now, is that an old person just comfortable thing, or it's pretty handy? Yeah, you flip through it. I like it. I prefer paper to glowing screens, honestly. I can just print still. out pie charts for you every day if you guys want. <laughs> I do. I do want that. Yeah. <laughs> They're good at that. They they really brought back the pie chart and made it relevant again, USA Today. Well, and it's got a little something for everyone. Hey, Isn't you, that it? You're in the mood for a little hard news, and you think, out of hell with that. And you look at the sports for a while, and you go to the worthless purple section to see what's up in the show business. You mentioned uh, Rudy and whether he's anywhere near the hospital where uh, Elijah Cummins died. Um, you case. don't know what you're talking about, idiot. <laughs> The the Saturday Night Live portrayal of Rudy Giuliani, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. What is that whole thing? Is he a vampire or that thing with his hands? I mean, he's a little Nosferatu looking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's I, straight out the of the classic. She does uh, with the hands. Yeah. Yeah. He's impish. <laughs> she is just too funny. Her oh. ability to look like people. What does she do with her face? It's her whole body. She just oh, yeah. she turned. Yeah. It's a, it's an entire performance, and it's just so good. And she's one of the best who's ever been on the show. Because when she walked out as Elizabeth Warren, you're right. It's it's her body. It's her facial structure. It's not just hair and makeup. It's the, she the walk, the posture. It's 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 an all encompassing <laughs> master's class on impressions. Sure, yeah, she did great with the voices too, and the cadence of the speaking and the rest of it. Uh, I realize it's weighted to bring him up, but Jim Carrey's the best it's ever been. At that, to me, he physically changes in a way that just boggled my mind. Yeah, that was his whole stand-up routine when he when he first hit the scene. Oh, insane! But yeah, Kate McKinnon's brilliant. So uh, listen, we got in strong uh, with something that I can't wait to get to, and I can't remember (laughs) what were what what was the. uh... Well, we got a number of choices. What tone do we want? Do we want serious? Do we want uh, earth-shattering? Do we want touching? We're gonna get to those mad dog quotes. We could do that. Um, my kids yesterday went to see. We've got friends who uh, their Labrador had puppies. Oh, my kids went, lab puppies. Oh, please. What's cuter than lab puppies? What's cuter than nine one week old lab puppies? Oh, oh my nine. gosh, that's almost too much. Exactly. Overdose my, on cuteness. Oh yeah, my kids were really enjoying it. But yeah, that's super cute, and it's obviously what what obviously happens oh no that's what i was gonna we ask don't, we don't have one we yeah. didn't end up with one but oh. you want one or somebody oh, wants please. one yeah. or somebody at least starts to think about having one yeah, yeah. it's how do you not well <laughs> quite famously and and it was a terrible decision when we went to get 
our first family dog when my kids were little, I ended up with two. <laughs> I got there, there were all those lab puppies, and I was thinking, that could be a playmate for each other. I call up Judy, hey, honey. <laughs> Oh boy! Labs are uh, you know you're signing up for a for a project there. They're the greatest dog in the world, but you're signing up for a project. Oh yeah, no all, all puppies are, but yeah, labs are insane for years. Nine lab puppies. <whistles> the little metallic puppy breath. What is that? Why does it smell like yeah, that? Yeah, it's funny. My Henry, my youngest, he said they smell different than anything. I said, yeah, there's a puppy smell. Puppies mm-hmm. have a smell, and uh, their fur feels different. Yeah, so cute. Yeah, I wish I could, if I was rich enough to have a dog minder, I'd have a dog, but like make him deal with all the crap. <laughs> I mean, not literally the poo. I don't mind that. It's actually, well, um, but puppies are insane. So look, they can't be chewing on stuff. They can then now get them out. Now take care of them. It's like the super rich with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have a governess and a nanny and an au pair. <laughs> I want a puppy au pair. Puppy pair? I got to work on that. Pupper. Ah, puppy bear. Nope, that doesn't work. Mm, because I love, love, love dogs, but I just don't think I can ever take puppies again. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd like to opt out on ever again doing, you know, new puppy through that, like, first several years. I mm-hmm. really don't want to do that ever again in my life. But, uh, yeah, the tiny little puppies are cute. Just because they eat all sorts of stuff and the, they're, they're just little Tasmanian devils at well, that point? Well, they're insanely energetic. They chew on everything. I had... A, a one-year-old lab is a full-time job. Yeah. I had our dogs chew up the chair, the legs of chairs at our dining room table. They chewed up a baseboard oh. along the base of the wall. Sure, I've had that. What what do you what I can think of twenty things that would be easier to chew on than a baseboard. Oh, what are you chewing on? We, we work with a guy his <laughs> shoes lab, and socks. Oh yeah, and shoes, out. socks, all that sort of stuff. Your you like all your sprinklers and gardening and yeah. landscaping is just can be destroyed. Um, the wire that ran from the the little click click button on my grill to actually light the burners they chew that in half jeez what yeah we work with somebody i remember uh, he had a lab was like a one-year-old one-year-old lab man that's a tough one chewed the paneling off the walls in the basement he had nice. paneled the walls and just chewed it all off yeah yeah Good. holy crap you off the board i'll come up and drag you off <laughs> That's what I said to Onyx. Hey, Esther. Hey, Esther. And I said, hey, Esther. Yeah. That's a good shot That's right there. name. Yeah. <laughs> we'll finish strong. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's not just girls who want to change the menu, it's boys too. Yeah, I want vegan food. A lot of students are protesting. Well, their protesting is ruining my lunch. We have a right to free speech. Yes, we do all have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others and you're only thinking about yourself. Whoa, 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 whoa. what's going on, kids? The protesters are trying to kill Eric again, Mr. Mackey. Okay, <gasps> kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? <laughs> so, that from the recent South Park, what Eric Cartman yelled there was word for word 
what LeBron James tweeted. And it doesn't seem like it's that critical to the plot, so it was just kind of a little jab back at the old Chinese basketball story. Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. That's fabulous. Yeah. How interesting that LeBron has become the... The symbol of the apologist for corporate uh, being in corporate America being in bed with China. Hey, somebody work on this while we get to the next thing. Wow, we got this text. Jack drops a C bomb. Hour one this morning at twenty nine fifty. Nobody caught that. I don't. I don't think that's true. It's I don't so think it's routine. true either. He's constantly. Saying I was listening that. to a He's CD. A... So <laughs> great. So anyhow, no. uh, Megyn Kelly gave her first interview. Oh. Since leaving NBC? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. She was on with Tucker Carlson last night, and she was talking about NBC and the whole Matt Lauer thing and everything. The company's whole defense to Ronan's book essentially has been, that's the first we ever knew about Matt Lauer. There was no deal between us and Harvey Weinstein to cover up for Harvey Weinstein so that he wouldn't report on Matt Lauer, because we didn't even know that Matt Lauer was doing this. We had no notice of it whatsoever. Here's the way, what they're saying, no settlements of any kind, no settlements. Well, that, that's a legal sleight of hand. You can get paid out as a sexual harassment victim in something other than a settlement. You can get what's called enhanced severance. That's the situation where the receptionist is suddenly getting a seven-figure goodbye. <laughs> she was like an amazing typist. It's so well, right? And it's just severance. It's not a settlement. It's just like, hey, and by the way, if you could just be really quiet about NBC forevermore, we'd really appreciate it. That's interesting. Wow, that's great. And she's a lawyer, right? So she, she knows that. Right. That's straight out of James Comey. I leaked nothing. Right. No, you gave it to your friends and told them, call Jim Jones at the New York Times, here's the number. But you didn't leak it. Okay. A little more from Megyn Kelly. The number one thing that needs to happen now is they need to release any and all Matt Lauer accusers from their confidentiality agreements. NBC says it has nothing to hide. Great. Let's not hide anything. Show us all of the agreements, the enhanced severance agreements that were reached, or at least the numbers, so we can see which ones pop out, which ones are super high. Well, first they should be released from his sex dungeon office, right? Oh, boy. (laughs) Can we unlock that door, please? (laughs) Boy, they have nothing to hide. That's hilarious. You specifically have a great deal you are hiding. You hired lawyers and spent gazillions of dollars Mm. to write up contracts so you could keep stuff quiet. Right. We have nothing to hide. That is hilarious. I love the rave music. Here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> All right, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, our producer, Positive Sean. Yes, I will cede the remainder of my final thought time to the late Elijah Cummings. I only have a minute, 60 seconds in it, forced upon me. I did not choose it, but I know that I must use it, give account if I abuse it, suffer if I lose it. Only a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. Hmm. Good stuff. Lovely. Marsha Phillips, final thought? Well, because, as you'll recall, one of my four scratchers last time round was a win- winner. I went ahead and bowed to the scratcher gods. It was a break-even. And made a... <laughs> n- it was a winner. I bowed to the scratcher guard. The gods had made another investment yesterday. So with any luck, I will bring home the bacon Fantastic. tomorrow. Thank you very much. Michelangelo, <laughs> final thought? Yeah, I remember where I was 30 years ago, Watching, sat down with my brother to watch the World Series. I was 14, he was 7, and he was in a full uniform with cleats, wow. which was cute. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, Jack, final thought? I got a Mad Dog Mattis quote to end the show with for some reason, because Trump was saying Mad Dog was a uh, terrible general and all that. 
Here's a quote from Mike Mattis. I'm going to plead with you. Do not cross us, because if you do, the survivors will write about what we do here for 10,000 years. Ooh. That's a good one. <laughs> Woof. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd like to close with a quote from Kevin McCarthy, whose scrambled syntax never fails to amuse me. I am going to transcribe his rambling statement we played earlier today. Also, I would like, perhaps, on the next show, to compare and contrast it with the uh, Resist We Much Gem from Al Sharpton. It is of a kind with it. No kidding. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, you can email us there, too. Go there. Click it around, huh? See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not... Uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Ronan Farrow's making the rounds uh, with yeah. his boss. Sinatra! <clears throat> Excuse me. God, I'm catching whatever you have. Armstrong and Getty.